Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting for Monday, June 3rd. As the City Council prepares to go to closed session, if the clerk would please call roll. Here. 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 Harris. <laughs> Kearney. Here. Barrett. Here. Glass. Here. Albertson. Here. Healy. Here. Miller. Here. And if the attorney would please provide the language for an addition to our closed session agenda and the legal notices we prepare to go to closed session. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I would be happy to. So in terms of the agendized items on tonight's agenda for closed session, uh, there is an item concerning public employee performance evaluation under Government Code Section 54957, and the title for that position is City Manager. There is also a conference with labor negotiators under Government Code Section 54957.6. The agency designated representatives are David Glass, Chris Albertson, and Mike Healy. The, the unrepresented employee is the city attorney. Um, also. Uh, I would like to um, recommend that the council consider adding a closed session to tonight's agenda under government code section 54954.2 um, because there's a need for council um, action at tonight's meeting on an item that was not on the posted agenda. The need for um, immediate action came to the city's attention after the agenda uh, for tonight's meeting was posted. The facts that establish the need to take action are that um, the city has received a proposal with respect to uh, a time-sensitive proposal with respect to the uh, litigation uh, called Bryant Moynihan versus City of Petaluma. It's um, Sonoma County Superior Court case number SCV-250959. Um, and so if the council wishes to add that item, um, it must be by um, a four-fifths vote and the motion will be as follows. I move that an item be added to tonight's agenda in accordance with uh, section 54954.2 subdivision B, paragraph two of the Brown Act, because there's a need to take immediate action on the item and that need came to the city's attention after the agenda for tonight's meeting was posted. The agenda item would read as follows. And let me shift to the safe harbor language, which would be, um, Conference with legal counsel, existing litigation under government code section 54956.9A, um, and the name of the case is Bryant Moynihan versus City of Petaluma, case number SCV 250959. Thank you. And we're open for public comment with no one in the chamber to address the council on the closed session items. Public comment is hereby closed. And with that, we're adjourned to closed session. Whoa. Whoa. We uh, make the motion. I'll second that motion, Mr. Mayor. Thanks. Oh, I'm sorry to add the. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Mr. Thank Mayor. Thank you. Okay. We got a motion from Mr. Healy. We got a second from Mr. Kearney. All in favor say aye. 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 And that Thank passes you. unanimously. And with that, we're on our way to closed session. Thanks, Mr. Mayor. Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting for Monday, June 3rd, 7 p.m. session. We're starting at about uh, 7.12. Let the record show if the clerk would please call roll. Harris. Here. Kearney. Here. Barrett. Here. 
Glass. Here. Albertson. Here. Ely. Here. Miller. Here. Thank you. And with that, if we could have um, Vice Mayor Albertson lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance tonight. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, and if we could have a moment of silence. Thank you. Agenda changes and deletions tonight. Uh, on this evening's agenda, I'd like to suggest that items 4B and 4C uh, just be flip-flopped in order. Uh, I think that the meeting will flow a little bit more fluid that way. Uh, so without objection, we'll be changing the order of those two items. Um, I do have a number of proclamations today. Uh, this is the time of the year where we have a lot of celebration going on. And it's a pleasure to welcome Jason Grossman to Council Chambers. I believe Jason is here. If Jason, you'd come forward. The Vice Mayor has a proclamation. And of course, uh, Grossman's has been such a large part of our community for so long. And this is Paragon Label, Mrs. Grossman's Day. Declared today, June 3rd, 2013. Whereas Paragon Label, founded in 1998 in a division of Mrs. Grossman's, is one of the fastest growing pressure sensitive label printers in Sonoma County. And Mrs. Grossman's is the oldest and largest designer and manufacturer of decorative stickers in the country. And whereas both companies have won more than 20 national and international awards for both technical expertise in printing and innovative environmental practices, including the coveted FTA Environmental Excellence Award, which Paragon Label has won two times, making sustainability a priority. And whereas Andrea Grossman, president of Mrs. Grossman's for more than three decades, has handed the reins of her company to her son, Jason Grossman, who is president of both Mrs. Grossman's and Paragon Label. And whereas both companies who are proudly patriotic and consider made in the USA of great importance host a popular factory tour teaching visitors about fine flexographic and digital printing of world famous wine labels and first class stickers as well as the importance of recycling. And whereas Paragon Label and Mrs. Grossman's are proud of their heritage, the products they produce, their company store, and being a large part of the Petaluma community. Now therefore be it resolved that with pleasure I David Glass mayor of Petaluma along with each member of the Petaluma City Council does hereby congratulate Paragon Label and Mrs. Grossman's for their contributions to Petaluma and wish them many more years of continued success in our city thank you Jason for being here thank tonight Next up, uh, Councilmember Healy will present a proclamation as we celebrate uh, the retirement of John Records and declare June 3rd, 2013 in the city of Petaluma, John Records Day. So if John would step forward, please. Whereas John Records began his connection to the Committee on the Shelterless Cots as a volunteer in the family shelter working with vulnerable children and their parents in 1989. And whereas John Records joined Cots as Executive Director in 1992 
and has served Cots and his community with honor, distinction, and integrity for 21 years. And whereas under John Rucker's leadership, Cots has grown and developed into an organization with 319 beds, serving 2,300 children and adults each year with emergency food and shelter, transitional and permanent housing, and transformative programs. And whereas Cots programs led by John Records for the last 21 years have helped more than 20,000 vulnerable children and adults to rebuild their shattered lives and get back under a roof of their own. And whereas John Records has worked tirelessly to lead efforts to research, develop, and implement innovative and effective service models and approaches such as restorative integral support that have dramatically increased the effectiveness of COTS programs and made COTS an organization recognized across the country as a model for others. And whereas John Records will continue to serve COTS on the board of directors and will co-found and lead the new National Center for Excellence in Homeless Services located at the State University of New York School of Social Welfare to teach COTS innovative approaches to other homeless service organizations across the country. Now therefore be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with the members of the Petaluma City Council, do hereby declare today, June 3rd, 2013, as John Records Day, and recognize and thank John Records for his service and dedication to the citizens of Petaluma, including the thousands of vulnerable children and adults who have been touched by John and helped by COTS. We wish you every success in all of your future endeavors. Congratulations, John, and thank you. Thank you. You're most gracious to honor me, and uh, it's, I've never had a day named for me before. It's really embarrassing, and I hope it never happens again. <laughs> uh, we've done this together. Uh, members of our COTS Board of Directors and some of our staff have come tonight. I came here to thank you tonight, to thank the city of Petaluma and the community of Petaluma. COTS couldn't be what it is without the steadfast support of this community and of the city. You've been there for us all the way through. Bonnie Gabler, who I don't see here tonight, this, the city housing administrator, has been an invaluable ally in our work. Because of your support, we're able to develop a model that is demonstrably twice as effective as what was found in a national sample. What that means is more bang for your buck. And we're going to continue under the leadership of uh, Mike Johnson, our CEO, to provide great service to the community. And while I appreciate this honor very much, and I know that it's sincere, I've got a friendship with each one of you, I hope that you'll continue to really honor the work by continuing with, with your strong financial and other support for the work. My blessings to you for your volunteer work here, and thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir. Mr. Albertson. I, again, I think as all the council acknowledge Cots as one of the jewels in our municipal crown. And Mike Johnson, we wish you success in the future as Cots goes forward to a continued success. Thank you. Uh, with that, we're on to United States Army Week. 
accepting this proclamation is Sergeant First Class Michael Muldrow. Good to see you, Sergeant. Presenting the proclamation is Councilmember Mike Harris, and it reads United States Army Week, June 9 through 15, 2013. Whereas the United States Army was established by the First Continental Congress on June 14, 1775, and in 2013 will celebrate its 238th year of service to the nation. And whereas on July 1, 2013, the Armed Services will celebrate the 40th anniversary of the All-Volunteer Force. And whereas the United States Army exists to defend the freedom of our citizens and our nation's security and interests. And whereas this year's theme is America's Army, service to the nation, strength for the future, which embodies indomitable spirit and high ethical and moral values embraced by today's soldiers as they work to live up to the ideals and vision of the nation's founders. And whereas many citizens of Petaluma have served their nation, and some have given the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our freedoms as members of the United States Army. And whereas the Army's birthday celebration is an opportunity to honor the Army families who show complete commitment to their soldier and the entire Army, and it is therefore proper to recognize the United States Army annually on its birthday, and to thank those who have served and those who are presently serving. Now therefore be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each member of the Petaluma City Council, does hereby declare the week of June 9 through 15, 2013 as United States Army Week, and encourage all citizens to join with us to salute and express our gratitude to those who have served and to those who are now serving serving to protect our nation and its freedoms. Thank you, sir, for your service. The next proclamation is uh, Petaluma Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month, June of 2013. And it's presented to Councilmember Gabe Kearney. Whereas the mayor and honorable members of the Petaluma City Council, the governing body of Petaluma, California, do hereby unite in solidarity and common purpose to recognize, honor, and celebrate the diversity, shared humanity, and civil rights of our entire community and all of its residents. And whereas each of us were born into the world the way we are, and should be able to live without fear of prejudice, discrimination, violence, or hatred based on our race, gender, identity, or sexual orientation, and whereas the Petaluma community includes people of all ages and races who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, and each of us should have the same unalienable equal rights, benefits, and responsibilities that are shared and enjoyed by each of us. And whereas the history of the world has shown that continued human progress and the success of society and civilization has been built on a foundation of inclusiveness and acceptance and embracing and celebrating our individual identities and commonalities as Americans helps to bring everyone together and drives the development of our society. And whereas embracing our differences helps to fulfill the principles and creed written into the founding documents of our great nation, in that our individual destinies and that of our families and communities include not only the aspiration of our federal constitutional republic, but the support and success of all of our citizens in realizing the fulfillment of its promise. 
Now therefore be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each member of the Petaluma City Council, do hereby proclaim the month of June 2013 as Petaluma Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month and encourage all of our citizens to join together so that we may honor our diversity and community. Councilmember Kearney. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Uh, this is uh, the first proclamation in, in a series of proclamations throughout the county, uh, and it's important in the fact that uh, today, currently, uh, someone that's uh, openly serving as a uh, LGBT member of our, our community, serving in the armed forces, serving in the army, could, when they get discharged, be fired from their job for being uh, lesbian, gay, or bisexual in 29 states in this uh, country. And, and uh, while we said the pledge tonight uh, in justice for all, I, I still, uh, even though I, I swore to uphold the Constitution, don't have the same rights and privileges as the other folks that are serving up here with me. So I think it's important that we, uh, we honor this uh, time and, and look at, at how we can better move forward as a, a community. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. With that, we're on to uh, presentations. I'm going to ask Councilmember Harris, who is uh, the liaison to the Youth Commission, uh, to lead us with this uh, first presentation. Mr. Harris. Sure. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And if the uh, Commission could come forward, I know they have a presentation, as people are also funneling out from the, uh, the proclamations. So the city clerk is coming to help but the youth commission I've been proud to serve with them over the, the past year along with uh, mr. Healy at the beginning of their term and they came and probably gave an action report at the beginning of their term to tell you what they were going to do and now they actually are ending the year and we have some three incredible individuals in front of us um, first we have Jordan Gongora here on the left he's going to UC Santa Cruz next year um, we also have Haley Lynch she's going to University of Colorado Boulder and Amy Jen here who's going to Harvard so we have three very accomplished individuals they're going to give you a presentation uh, and overview of what the action of the Youth Commission was this past year. And I know in the audience we have two adult members of the commission as well, Melissa Lynn Shadler in the back, along uh, with Barbara Welch as well. Did we time that right? <laughs> okay. So hi, my name is Amy. Thank you for having us today. So um, we're going to do a report about um, the things that we planned at the beginning of the school year and how it turned out. So I'm going to begin. And one of the projects that I was on was Safe Routes to School. And our purpose was to identify potential walkways, um, streets, intersections that made students feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And so in order to um, survey schools, we, just, we created a six-question short survey. And we distributed this at um, four schools in, four high schools in Paluma, St. Vincent's, Paluma, Casa Grande, and Valley Oaks. There was 303 surveys taken, and we did uh, identify some possible biases um, with disproportionate distribution to grade levels, schools, and types of classes. There was 44% um, participation by males and 56% by females. And here is our results on the question where we asked, um, on your Rochester school, is there a street that you feel unsafe on? And the good thing is that 80% of students said that there was not a street that they felt unsafe on. Um, and then within the 20%, we asked them to list which, which streets they felt unsafe on. So these included East Washington, Western Howard, um, Eli, Caulfield, Sonoma Mountain, and Cronulla and Magnolia. 
Um, so we had our next event, which Jordy's going to come up here and talk about. So the other event we were trying to uh, make happen was a diversity event, which basically the whole mission of this was to demonstrate to the whole community of Petaluma how uh, throughout the times uh, diversity in Petaluma has been growing with uh, religious groups, uh, ethnic groups, and the LGBT community. It doesn't. It wasn't restrained to just cultural aspects of the community. And so, in, although the the planning in this uh, was to for this uh, event to occur in March, but we were detained by uh, many groups that we wanted uh, to perform. Uh, they didn't really confirm the participation, so this event did not occur. But we learned lots of different things about it, uh, planning of an event such as this. And we hope that maybe someday we could try this event again. Hi, my name's Haley. Thank you for having us. Um, first of all, I'm going to talk about a project that one of our committee members did. She wasn't able to be here tonight, but her name was Kathleen Dargy. And what she did was she contacted local businesses in Petaluma. She took a lot of time to go out and talk to owners and um, managers at different businesses and asked them if they would be interested in hiring teens or um, for jobs uh, and or internships. And she gave them our um, sticker to put in their window in order to show teens that were walking by that they do hire teenagers. And so she compiled a list of 22 businesses and distributed this to um, the career centers at the Petaluma high schools in order for students to go in and see where businesses were hiring so they could get a job. Another event that I was on the committee for was the Teen Survivor Petaluma uh, Relay event. Um, it was at Redwood Empire Gymnastics on April 14th. Uh, we had a turnout of three teams, which was lower than we, th than we had hoped for, but it was still a good turnout considering it was our first year. It was a lot of hard work that was put into it. Um, and we're hoping that um, in the future commissions can continue this event with the work that we put in this year and hopefully make it a bigger success in the future. Thank you for having us, and perhaps next year we hope to present to you again with our plans. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilmember Harris. Uh, no, that was it. They gave a great presentation of what they accomplished this last term, and I know they'll be doing great things in the future, so thank you. Okay, Councilmember Barrett. Um, I'd just like to say I think everybody on the council over the weekend received a video about um, a terrific Petaluma youth uh, that was produced by uh, Petaluma Pete, also known as John Meyer. And, um, you know, I, I totally forgot to, uh, I sit on the Park and Rec Commission as well, and I totally forgot about you being the liaison from the council because uh, I know the Park and Rec has Steve Klotz as a, a liaison. And I know he's going to out, uh, reach out to youth on the commission to uh, have this kind of positive view of what's going on in Petaluma. And so uh, I hope that's something that uh, those remaining members on the commission will take part in because I think it was a really good um, media event. Thank you very much. Thank you. With that, uh, we'll move on. Thank you very much. We're on to... Um, the next item on the agenda, which is Sonoma County Waste Management Agency Annual Report to Membership Agencies, Henry Micus is here.
Mr. Brown. Mr. Mayor, I'm not seeing Mr. Mike is here, okay. so we might want to just move on. We made very good progress on that. Okay, see you next year, Mr. Micus, perhaps. Okay, we're on to the PG&E update. I believe Katie Kearns is here. Thank you so much. As uh, Mayor Glass said, I'm Katie, middle name now Kearns Davis, actually. So, <laughs> and I am the government relations manager for PG&E on the North Coast. I also have uh, Joe Horak here. He is a major account rep for PG&E and works actually with uh, city staff on a number of different initiatives, including energy efficiency projects, permitting, um, all sorts of different things, helps with any billing or, um, or rate questions, things like that. So he's here today in case there are any questions uh, in relation. So um, just a few facts. Uh, most people know PG&E. Um, they don't always know uh, what territory we cover. So we do have 70,000 square miles of, of topography that we cover. A lot of different communities, a lot of diverse communities. Um, we have about 20,000 employees. Um, many of them here in the North Bay. Um, and one fact that I think is really interesting is that we serve 5% of the U.S. population but only emit 1% of the greenhouse gases from the electric sector. And it's something that we're continuing um, to improve all the time. So PG&E um, really has, has put a focus on a back-to-basics approach. And really our mission is dedicated to one job. And that's providing safe, reliable, affordable energy. And we're doing that in a number of different ways. Investing in infrastructure, new technologies, um, volunteering, community investments, and renewable energy investments. Some of those investments we are doing here locally. Um, obviously, to a number of community members, um, reliability is, is a huge issue. And uh, we want to make sure that we are maintaining our infrastructure. And so we are projected to spend, from 2012 to 2016, about $390 million in Sonoma County. Um, that's about $38 million on transmission, about $352 million on uh, distribution. And it's a number of different kinds of technologies. Some are um, to reduce the number of uh, outages. Some are to, if there is an outage, to reduce the duration of it um, and do a lot of automation to help with that. So we're really trying to use technology to our advantage. In addition, we are doing a lot of uh, safety enhancements to our gas pipelines as well. Um, obviously, after um, the San Bruno incident, um, you know, we have really uh, taken a hard look at um, our operations and what we're doing on gas pipeline safety. And we're doing a huge uh, modernization effort. Um, a lot of that we are doing here in Sonoma County. Um, we have about $34.5 million that we're putting in. Um, some of that work is here in Petaluma. We do have a couple pipeline replacements that we're doing and we're working um, with staff and it's been I mentioned the permitting side uh, we really appreciate staff and all the collaboration that they've had because we are doing a lot of work we are getting a lot of permits and we appreciate um, their collaboration on that in addition um, when we're looking at uh, PG&E's overall uh, portfolio power mix, 
effects, um, a really important thing to look at is the overall emissions. And that comes in what we call an emissions factor. So if you look here, this gives a chart of uh, through the years what PG&E's emissions factor has been. Um, you can see on the far left that's the US average and California's average is right next to that and then PG&E is in the blue. Um, PG&E's carbon emissions are about 60% cleaner than the national average and 30% cle cleaner than California. And um, so when you're looking at it, um, I'll show you the, this power mix here and it is in 2011. Um, we do have a bit of a delay when you're looking at an actual power mix because we do um, have to get everything third-party verified. So we do make sure it is verified. We have a bunch of uh, stakeholders sign off on the numbers and then we're able to release them. I believe uh, 2012 numbers are coming out in July. So uh, this is our power mix for 2011. Um, and I mentioned that emissions factor before. Um, when you're looking at uh, GHG emissions, uh, you're not just looking at the renewable content. You're also looking at other um, contents that don't have uh, emissions and that is nuclear and large hydro as well. Large hydro is not considered renewable in the state of California but it is non-greenhouse uh, gas emitting so it does contribute to that. And I mentioned our um, renewable portfolio and just wanted to give you a picture of where PG&E is going as far as our renewable content. Um, in 2002 you can see that um, we had a, a large majority was bioenergy. Um, and then in 2011, we've had about 1% solar. And you can see that um, the plan is to 2020. This is PG&E's plan. And, and we expand to about 40% solar. So we're really driving the solar market, really adding more solar um, to, our, uh, to our, our portfolio. And we have about 10 renewable energy programs. Um, many of them uh, you may have heard of, um, California Solar Initiative, Solar Thermal, Self-Generation, Net Energy Metering, or NEM, as a lot of people call it, and feed-in tariffs. We have about 85,000 uh, PG&E solar customers and are consistently on the top um, in the nation for a number of solar installations in our service territory. We have seven of the ten top solar PV power plants in the nation. And um, I mentioned that plan that we have to uh, get to 33% renewable by 2020. Um, we have about 9,400 megawatts of renewable projects in development right now um, and continuing to look at, at other contracts. And Sonoma County, um, Sonoma County is, is a leader in, in solar installations. And um, in Sonoma County, we have 15,560 kilowatts of solar installed since 2006. That's 2.22% of Sonoma County households. Um, in Petaluma, uh, you can be very proud that out of six, uh, 665 communities, you're 30th in, um, in capacity for solar installation. So you have about six and a half megawatts of solar capacity that's been installed here in the city. And that's about 607 solar sites. So something that is a recent development that we um, recently filed with the California Public Utilities Commission or the CPUC is uh, the green option. Now this has been an evolution uh, through the years to get to uh, what we call the green option. Originally PG&E um, had a program called Climate Smart. It was essentially you could pay a little bit extra on your bill and it was a carbon offset program. Um, I'm not really sure why it didn't uh, fully take off with customers. It may have been that it just the carbon offsets just didn't necessarily resonate with some people. And so we did um, uh, stop that program, I believe, a couple years ago. And, um, and we last year proposed the green option. Now, the proposal last year was a renewable energy certificate-based program, a REC-based program. And basically, you could pay a little bit extra on your bill, and PG&E would go out and buy RECs on your behalf. 
through that process at the CPUC, we have many third-party stakeholders that weigh in on any proposal PG&E puts in uh, to the Public Utilities Commission. And so through that process, many of those stakeholders thought that we could take it a step further. And, um, and so we entered into negotiations with uh, some of those uh, stakeholders to see how. And what we came up with was this enhanced green option program. So we have uh, basically gotten rid of the rec-based program and the enhanced green option is a completely in the ground, steel in the ground, re local renewable program. And this was really uh, in response to, if you look at this pie chart down here, um, there have been studies that have been done on people's access to solar. And it's been found that about 25% of people actually have access to solar, and about 75% don't. And that could be for a number of reasons. They rent, uh, they have unsuitable roofs, uh, they live where it's very shady, things like that. And, but many of those customers still want to support renewable energy. And so what this proposal is, is a way for those customers to do that. Um, it is before the CPUC right now. It is pending CPUC uh, approval, so it is still just uh, in concept. Um, but basically, PG&E would contract for new small to mid-size solar projects in our service territory. And ideally, we would like to site them uh, around the areas that people are signing up for the program. Participants will pay a fixed price and only the participants in the program will bear the cost of the program. So no other ratepayers have to subsidize the green option program. It's only paid for by those that are participating. Um, in addition to the fixed price, they will also receive a bill credit to avoid any of the conventional generation costs that PG&E would occur. Um, so that means that the net cost will diminish over time if PG&E generation costs increase. So to give you an example, if the program were to cost 13.5 cents per kWh, um, and we look at the customer class average, the generation rate, say it's 10 cents per kWh, you would pay 3.5 cents per kWh extra for this green option program. Over time, if that 10 cent average increases, increases if PG&E's generation rate increases, you would actually get more of a credit as you move through the years. You lock in at that 13.5 cents, so if PG&E generation rates go up to 11, 12, 13 cents, you stay at that and you're getting that credit back. So, I, so ideally, the cost of the green option program for customers will decrease over time. The program has a 250 megawatt cap or five years, whichever one comes first. So people can sign up for the program for up to five years. Um, they will have to do a one-year initial commitment. There will be uh, probably like a 60 to 90 day cooling off period. Um, if somebody doesn't want to stay in, um, then they commit to the year and then after that um, they can get out of the program at any time. It's a month to month. Um, it's open to all PG&E bundled electric customers. Um, and the, the contracts or the solar projects would be up to 20 megawatts in size. So it really is considered uh, your smaller size, um, I mean if you say 20 megawatts is small, but it would be uh, your smaller size projects um, that could be cited locally. Um, the location uh, of the, the projects would be developed uh, based on objective criteria that's still to be determined of where we determine how we're going to cite those projects. As I mentioned before, the program costs would be borne by the participants. It's not subsidized by anyone else. Um, it is a joint proposal with broad-based support, uh, including the Utility Reform Network, TURN, and many others. Um, and we are hoping that the CPUC will approve it by the end of 2013, and then we would launch the program in early 2014.
And then investments in energy efficiency. This is another area that PG&E um, has really pushed for the last 30 years. And if you look at California's energy use in comparison to many other states in the country, that has been um, a, a game changer in the sense of we've been able to keep energy usage relatively flat, uh, whereas our growth has, has uh, increased significantly in the last 30 years. Um, PG&E's portfolio has a number of different programs that people can take advantage of, and that's why we have Joe's uh, department to help many of our businesses, small, medium businesses, um, ag customers, large businesses, and many of our local, uh, all of our local jurisdictions to save energy. Um, here at the city, uh, your staff has been very open and willing to, to work with us on a number of different uh, types of projects to help save you energy and save you money. Um, we've been able to give incentives for water pumps, uh, standard lighting, street lighting. I know that's, that's come to you before. Um, and over the last couple years, PG&E has provided the city with over $50,000 in incentives on projects, and that saved you nearly 260,000 uh, kilowatt hours. So um, it's a significant savings, and you should be very proud of the leadership that, that you all have taken on, on uh, those initiatives. And finally, I uh, just wanted to talk about some of PG&E's community investments. Uh, we take it very seriously that we are a part of all of our communities. Many of us live here, uh, we work here. Um, and so we also take giving back to the community very seriously, and it's something that we're all very proud of. Many of us volunteer hours um, out at our local organizations, and then we also are able to give charitable contributions. Um, in Sonoma County, we've donated more than $400,000 in charitable uh, contributions, and then we we also have an employee giving campaign, and our local employees have given uh, more than $126,000 for local organizations through our employee giving campaign. We employed uh, more than 630 people in Sonoma County, and that's about 120 employees here in Petaluma. And then employees have volunteered more than 360 hours at local events and organizations. Many of us serve on local boards and, um, and are very proud to do so. So with that, I know we had limited time, so I wanted to kind of burn through it, but if uh, anybody has any questions, feel free. Thank you, Mrs. Davis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's very informative. Appreciate it very, very much. You're welcome. Yes. Katie, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate that, too. Um, I, I'm going to use you as a conduit of information back to PG&E. I know that PG&E has been doing a lot of pipe repair for the gas pipes, mm -hmm. uh, especially I know that on the west side because I walk around a lot. And uh, just prior to uh, PG&E doing this work, our city had repaved B Street and it looked beautiful. And now it's totally torn up and patched up. And I'm wondering if PG&E is going to be restoring that to its pre-work state because the, our city just doesn't have a whole lot of money for street repairs, as yes. you know. Yeah, we, we, we definitely understand that. And uh, it is something that we are trying to improve the coordination with our local cities to be able to not only uh, get your paving plans, but also try to give you our plans of where we're looking so we can really try to coordinate some of that. And I will look into that specific project and right. see if we're done uh, with it or not and, and what we can do. Yeah, so, thank you. Definitely. I appreciate getting back yeah, to me on yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Anything else? Thank you very much. Very informative. Appreciate it very much. We're on to general public comment for items that are not on the agenda uh, tonight. Peter Chernoff to be followed by Richard Giddings. Good evening. 
Since we got uh, financial difficulties, I've been authorized to immediately uh, transfer from this one particular source $1 million to you if you can tell me who is the author of this statement. Simple people never sense the devil's presence even when he has them by the throat. Million dollars. Okay. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. All right, over here I'm holding in my hands the um, utility reporter of PG&E and the centerfold is, uh, I opened up the centerfold and there it was, Brotherhood and Betrayal about the general strike. And I say that we all have every reason to support the PG&E workers' upcoming strike till their CEOs, lawyers, and 90% of their middle management is gone. And uh, let's, let's give all the workers a raise because they're doing all the work. And then and that gives us a lot more money to do other things, maybe for the city, who knows, because bottom line, PG&E in this, in this direction is our best source of power as far as an option goes, not those other companies. We all know that, thank you. All right. Horse sense, common sense, everybody off the fence. Pay no insurance, no mortgages, no rents. Pay no earthly business bills. This 40-day lockdown be filled with thrills. You're all invited June 9th to the Sunflower Center, John Trudell. You know, we had the Army thing here, and I got myself a Dwight Eisenhower silver dollar, and he says, beware the, the uh, industrial complex, the military industrial complex. I got a 50 cent piece from John F. Kennedy, who said, beware uh, the house of the, pre the presidency has been there to foment the, the undermining of America itself. And that was a week before he was uh, executed. Well, Vietnam vet, Navy vet, John Trudell, um, burn, uh, as a military distress call, burned an upside-down flag in uh, Washington, D.C. They murdered his entire family for that. Um, Bob Dylan says he was like the best guy around about two or three years ago. June 9th, downtown uh, at the Sunflower Center. And the uh, last thing I'll say is uh, uh, Monsanto is the genocidal pharmaceutical uh, connection to all the major pharmaceuticals. And now in the paper they want $200 million to speed up vaccines. The ones that are making billions of dollars, the top five pharmaceuticals making all this money. Oh, and by the way, there are, in fact, the reason they're doing this, they've already got three outbreaks nationwide that they haven't yet reported of like H1N1 kind of uh, epidemics. They're just waiting for the proper spin. Um, and some of these, of course, were designed by people like Dr. Maurice Wallen, you know, the ones that our very fine Petaluma Police Department apprehended in 2006, and by pressure from up high, he was released by the courts. He should have spent the rest of his life maybe locked up for creating genocidal vaccines that have murdered millions of our veterans and millions of people around the world. So June 9th, John Trudell, Sunflower Center, be there or be square. As I've said it, so be it. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, one last thing. The army vets that have been waiting free of fear, time to monkey wrench the system, so saith the seer. As I say it, so be it. And that includes a lot of people in law enforcement because there's been a lot of people waiting, watching, and waiting, and that time is over. The system is about to shut down. Thank you. Richard Giddings to be followed by John Cheney. Council. Remember me? Yes, sir. Would you please talk right into the microphone? Ben Luma Flood Victims Association. 
I recently spoke with one of the attorneys we hired that filed the lawsuit that we filed, sued you people, a bunch of other people won. Uh, where's our flood fix? He was out here the other day, there's supposedly only like 100 feet left to do. And I find it interesting, you're going to spend $1,843,000 on Denham Reach that we've been setting for five years waiting for our flood fix to get done. For one lousy, 100 feet. I have my flood bill insurance here, uh, $1,201. Who wants it? Who am I supposed to give it here to, to pay? You remember I gave you all a copies of uh, Schwarzenegger's SB70 pertaining to flooding? And the one section that says when a city or entity or employee does anything that causes flooding, you are liable. So why are we still paying flood insurance? I can hear crickets running around here. We're still in the dark on the flood. We're not kept uh, any kind of update, any literature sent to us, any meetings held on what's going on with the flood fix, why nothing has progressed at all on the flood fix. Why is that? You will be getting a letter of what our intentions are going to be of what we're going to do from the attorney. He's in the process of making up a letter to you of what action we, the flood victims, are contemplating taking. Uh, Mr. Kearney, apparently, I might be wrong, but when did you come back from Washington last year? Can you give me the date so I can go get those tapes? You direct all comments directly to me. I'm the chair. Okay. And Mr. Kearney, if he wishes, when we get to council comment, we'll have an opportunity to, to ask. We will try to get you answers to all of the questions that you ask, Mr. Giddings. All righty. Thank you. Because I was here at the meeting when Mr. Kearney said he came back from Washington, as I understood him to say, with a million dollars to finish the flood fix. Now, I just asked him about that, and he says he didn't. So I'd like to know what approximate date so I can get the tapes. If I'm wrong, I will come here, and I will publicly apologize to you. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Mr. Giddings. Mr. Cheney, please, to be followed by Rich Inman. This isn't the place I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the consent calendar, I guess, <coughs> is ridiculous. What I have is a suggestion on that consent calendar. We'd, evidently, you're going to spend $2.5 million. You must have made a mistake. You realize that you have to do the first flood fix first before you do the third or fourth fix above us for the businesses. There's not one resident living up there, people living up there where you're fixing it up. There's kids and people down in pay rent. How about we go ahead and do a proclamation, Mr. Mayor, for all the people in Payran that you're discriminating against? It's been over 30 years you guys have been prominent us as flood fix, and we haven't done it. Deer Creek is the biggest joke I've ever seen to my life. I have never felt so ashamed of counselor and president. This whole country is going to hell in a handbasket. I'm telling you, for you to spend hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, we get shoved down our throat a business people get the first priority there's something wrong with the system I'm ashamed I fought for the system I'm to the point right now that leave that little piece that needs to be done gone and to build Denman flat up there to turn around and do Basin Street when we didn't even have a flood fix. To let it go, the number of years you've let it go and done nothing. You know how many people are in their graves now that we're fighting this? This is absolutely a shame. 
This counselor should be ashamed of itself, and definitely this city shouldn't be ashamed of itself. And I feel so second-classed as a human being. The residents of Peyran are denied just being human down there anymore. You build above them and don't even finish them. There is no excuse for what you're doing. And there's not a damn thing I can do about it but sit here and say, hey, this ain't right. And this isn't what the goddamn country is about. I'm sorry. Rich Inman to be followed by Zen Destiny. They can have it. They don't realize it's not done anyway. Good evening, Council. Uh, I'm Rich Inman, representing McDowell Drug Task Force. I'm representing Dick Sharkey, who is ill tonight. And I'm also speaking for all nonprofits who have safe and sane firework stands in the city. I know Dick has already told you about what MD, McDowell Drug Task Force does to give back to Petaluma. Uh, most recently, we've contributed to all the high school's project grad programs. We also fund the Project DARE Red Ribbon Week, every 15 minutes programs, and have granted over $10,000 in scholarships every year. All of the groups urgently need a fifth day to sell fireworks, especially since it is a weekend day, a Sunday. We are at a disadvantage currently since our neighbors to the north uh, currently have five days. It's kind of like running a business at 80%. We all want to run it at 100% in order to continue our civic contributions. I truly believe that the more safe and sane fireworks that are sold help to decrease the use of the illegal fireworks which cause the mass percentage of injuries and property damage. <clears throat> Mr. Sharkey has already reached out to Council Members Harris, Healy, and Miller, and he said he phoned Mr. Kearney today. So I'd like to ask the board to vote on resolution to reinstate the fifth day of sales tonight if possible. The 4th of July is rapidly approaching and we need time to schedule our volunteers. And if the vote is not available to possibly put it on the agenda uh, for next uh, council meeting. It'd be a simple resolution, would not require much paperwork. And in order for McDowell Drug Task Force to maximize the funds to reinvest in our community, the opportunity to have five days would be greatly appreciated. So on behalf of McDowell Drug Task Force and all the other nonprofit groups, I thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Uh, it's not possible to take action on this tonight. It would be possible if the council chose to do it to place it on an agenda for the future, but it's not possible to do tonight. All right. I just I just want you to know that. Because uh, there has to be a legal notice, has to be a posted agenda of the business that's going to be conducted, and we could not meet that parameter. So thank you for your comments. Thank you. Zen Destiny to be followed by Bruce Hagan. Let him have the extra day. <clears throat> sell fireworks here, make it illegal to pop, and send their ass to Roner Park. The, um, if running off to Washington and having tea with Lynn Woolsey got the floodplains fixed, they'd have been fixed, and the reality is this is what happens when you're building floodplains, and the floodplains are for animals. That green shoots pork movement is a renewables bubble. You can't grow the economy on an energy tax. It's Enron's plan B. Okay? And I'm calling for the nationalization of the energy grid. And, and I'm renaming Target again. It was uh, Chinese Secret Police Mart. I'm renaming it again to Tiananmen Square Tanks Running Over People Mart. So I'm going to leave you alone about the stock, David, but if you'd sell it, I could get on with my life, please. 
I'm calling for the naming of the drone pilot that killed an American, the President of the United States. I want to know who told him to do it. I want to know everybody in the chain of command. I want to know the name of the drone pilot that killed an American citizen. Obama should go on trial for murder for that, at least treason, and we, it was an American citizen because he also signed an executive order that gave Interpol diplomatic immunity. So who all is spying on us? Who? I want to know the name of the drone pilot that killed an American citizen. Okay? And the Obama-Romney ticket won. Wow! Y'all beat the Romney-Obama ticket. And y'all could have figured that out if, there, if California had a few more liberal arts degrees. And... California's liberalism is a Loch Ness monster, and I'm, rena I'm renaming California a tie-dyed Republican state. So, you know, Republicans too. California's a tie-dyed Republican state. What's the name of that drone pilot? I mean, shouldn't there be like a, a monument or something to this? Come on. I might have just... You, presidents are killed because they don't do what they're told by the people who put them there. Okay, the same people that killed Martin Luther King made Barack Obama president. Uh, okay, tie-dyed Republicans. Uh, so it's 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 snow and fake paper. We need a new a new uh, constitutional tender. We need a new national pension bank that secures Social Security savings. We can have the strongest currency in the world. All we have to do is make it constitutional. Peace out. Thank you. Bruce Hagan to be followed by Catherine Bavowski. Good evening, Mayor Glass, Council Members. Thank you very much. Uh, Bruce Hagan, 145 Gravelia Drive. At the last meeting, I had suggested that the Council adopt a resolution supporting national uh, revenue neutral tax on carbon fuels. Since then, I've had some conversations via email with some of you, and in light of the time frame and potential staff impact, I agree with the Mayor that uh, the alternative of having an open letter to draft up an open letter that Council Members could sign and present to the members of Congress is a better approach. I've drafted this. I'll send it to you in an email tonight. Just a word about why this is important, particularly in light of some of the comments. The flood fix is not done. If we don't uh, take successful action worldwide on this, our flood fix will be undone. A couple of foot rise in the ocean level, what's that going to do to the water that comes up the bay? So that's why it's worth your attention. Uh, one other thing. Uh, the secret sauce of this particular resolution and why I'm, or this measure, why I'm excited about it, is that it's revenue neutral. All the money that's collected from higher costs of things that involve greenhouse gas production are refunded to the American people in a flat amount per household. So you may be paying more if you want to buy that gasoline or that expensive power, but you'll get money back from the government and you can decide to buy the alternatives with it. So I think that's what's revolutionary about this and why I'm excited. Uh, so in conclusion, three weeks from tomorrow morning, my 23-year-old son and I, Riley, will be on Capitol Hill walking the halls of Congress with 375 other volunteer citizen lobbyists in support of this legislation and I know that we both would be pleased and proud to be carrying a letter of your support. Thank you. Thank you. Catherine Babowski. 
Yes, my name is Catherine Vaprosky. I live at the Littlewoods Mobile at Fiddler Park at 1821 Lakeville Highway. That's in the city of Pendleton. May 25th, there were some uh, vandalizers that were throwing rocks at my place, hitting my door on him, going on my property. I called the Pendleton Police Department. No one showed up. May 28th, at 1 o'clock in the morning from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., there was a prowler on my propping, sneaking on the side of my place, hitting my side window, and taking my, one of my screenings completely off. Police never showed up when they were called. Also, too, this part, our dumpsters look like this every single day, 24 hours a day. It's like this every single day. The park's laundromat machines are full of mold. It's been like this for years. Also, too, we got street lights are out there. That park is not clean. It's the filthiest park. It looks like a city dump yard. And on top of that, these people, some of these people have 15 to 16 people living in a one to two bedroom mobile home. That's a fire violation. I'm asking to see the step, uh, the step up, do something about this park. Get security cameras in, security cameras in there. You have, that way you can tell what's really happening in that mobile park. You have no idea what's going on in that park at all. Get security cameras in there. That way you get a better idea what's going on in the park. And start having the cops arresting these suspects or vandalizing their mobile home. Also, too, our park management there is harassing only the white people in there. That's discrimination. Do something about this park, and do it today. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the public comment cards I have uh, for non-agendized items. Public comment is hereby closed. With that, we'll bring it to City Council for City Council comments. Mr. Harris. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Our My next SCTA, Sonoma County Transportation Authority meeting, is next Tuesday, so I'll, or next Monday, so I'll have a, uh, an update the following Monday. But there was a traffic advisory that came through Caltrans via the SCTA, and it says that Caltrans is planning to begin pile driving the median of the State Route 116 at the U.S. 101 interchange and is scheduled a full closure of eastbound uh, State Route 116 beginning this Saturday morning, June 8th at 6 a.m. and continuing until 1 a.m. Monday morning, June 10th. And the detour during this traffic closure uh, will be through Caulfield Lane and South McDowell Boulevard, then return back on State Route 116 on Lakeville Highway. So that was their traffic advisory that just came out on Friday. Um, also, I wanted to publicly thank the Sonoma Media Group and, of course, our staff who met with them and uh, Scott Broden specifically and others that I know had a hand in it of uh, helping save the uh, the fireworks and having another um, way of uh, presenting the, the fireworks and also, of course, having a celebration for the community. So I, I'm appreciative of that and thank you for stepping up and I hopefully will continue out in the years coming forward. Um, and it looks like Mr. Hagan has left uh, the chambers already, but I'll be signing on to that letter. I did have the opportunity to meet with him last week, and he described the the process by which his uh, resolution he's taken to Congress is uh, is revenue neutral, and I think it's very powerful what he's trying to accomplish. Um, and if we get to the point of of actually agendizing the issue that the representative the, from the McDowell Drug Task Force came forward, I would I would be amenable to discussing this on the 17th for the fifth day of the fireworks if we want to agendize that. Thank you. We'll come to that later in the meeting. Mr. Kearney. 
so to uh, respond to the question that was asked during public comment, in uh, June of 2011, I traveled to Washington, D.C. for a conference at my own expense uh, that was not paid for by the city of Petaluma or any tax dollars. Uh, during that conference, I took a trip away from the, that conference to meet with uh, Lynn Woolsey's office, Barbara Boxer's office, and Diane Feinstein's office. During that time, we talked about the little over one and one million and change that is needed to fix the rest of the payment and flood fix. And uh, at that time, and as is currently in Congress, we don't have a federal budget. We're operating on continuing resolutions, and there's not really any special projects that are being funded at this time. Again, two weeks later, I traveled to Washington, D.C. to attend meetings at the White House. Again, at my own expense. The taxpayers did not pay for any of that trip. Uh, I met with the staff from the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs, which is li the liaison to the locally elected officials. At that time, I did ask again for them to work on trying to get funding for the $1 million and change for the pay rent flood, flood fix. Uh, that money has not come to the city of Petaluma. I never promised that it was coming. I did all of this on my own time and at my own expense. I did what I thought was right for the city of Petaluma and did not expect to be attacked for it. Uh, that being said, uh, next report is from Health Action Network. We have our countywide meeting on Friday. I'll re be reporting at the next council meeting on the Sonoma County Health Action Network. I know uh, the county staff has approached us about having a presentation uh, probably I think in the month of July on what our countywide efforts are to increase, uh, to promote health in the county. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just want to follow Mr. Kearney's statements here. Uh, predominantly what you've got is a project that has been in the pipeline for decades. Washington has its own dysfunctions. We Regardless of how you feel on political parties, there are huge dysfunctions in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the time that Mr. Brown has been the city manager, I know that he has worked diligently trying to unravel some of the complexities, and I know that Mr. St. John coming on board uh, has additionally worked trying to unravel some of the uh, complications that have led to a lack of funding coming through and disputes uh, with the Army Corps of Engineers as to who did what, when, and who owes whom what. Uh, I think all of those areas of dispute have at least been tabled successfully to the point that if the legislators that produce a budget ever come to the point where they're functional in Washington, D.C., which I have my doubts that that will happen, but if Washington ever gets to where it's functional to appropriate funds, I believe we're well positioned to get the small amount of money going forward that we need to 100% complete that project. On a parallel track, there have been successful efforts to move through the FEMA remapping. Some people in this community are going to be pleased with that remapping when it finally is completed. Uh, Mr. Brown can correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time I checked on this, our time frame was about January 1 of 2014. That was a reasonable expectation that the mapping would be done and that new uh, mapping would be available and people would be noticed that have not been in the floodplain in the past that will once this new map is certified and those people will then be required to buy flood insurance. There will be other people that have been buying flood insurance for all these many years, some of whom will be lifted out of the floodplain and will no longer have that burden, but it may not be in their best interest to let those policies lapse. What I would expect is that when the mapping is certified is that people that 
find themselves relieved from the 100-year floodplain and want to continue with insurance will find that they will get a lower rate. So there's going to be some people that are going to be relieved. I won't say happy is the right word because nobody's happy about the way this process has played out. I know there's a lot of people here that have tried to do a lot of things to move it forward. Some people with whom I have disagreed on development issues in the floodplain have also worked very diligently to try to get this flood control project fixed. Before I was mayor last time, Clark Thompson made 14 trips to Washington, D.C. working on getting uh, funding in place for the flood control project. I did that on three occasions. We reached a determination that it wasn't cost effective to continue to lobby politically for uh, funds with an entity that was politically dysfunctional. Because I, I've said any time I'm going to Washington, if it's determined that it would facilitate getting a logjam undone that would allow us to actually get the funds to complete the project. There were num numerous occasions where we thought we had all of the funds to complete the project, and for a variety of reasons, those funds were reappropriated to other areas inside the jurisdiction of the Corps of Engineers because we could not go forward. There were hangups with uh, the SMART, had issues with their uh, railroad spur. And we accommodated SMART because they were redesigning the railroad tracks. And this is off the top of my head without researching it. I didn't know this was coming up tonight. But there was something to do with the type of tracks that SMART or else the freight authority, the freight rail was going to put in uh, a type of track. And they wanted a different type of track that would allow trains to move at a higher speed. And with that, it got us off target one time when we thought we had all of the funds appropriated. I know the story that I delivered in Washington, D.C. on three separate occasions and believed it to be true each time that I said it. Give us the money today and you'll never see me again. And I was back two additional times after delivering that story the very first time. And I can remember well Congressman Biskowski, who chaired, uh, who was a ranking member, it's called, because he was in a minority at the time. And he was responsible for getting a lot of the appropriations to do the work on the flood control project. And he was concerned about people that had the burden of having to buy this flood insurance and let's get that off the back of these hardworking people as soon as possible. So people want to, someone once said to me, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. This has been a nightmare for all of us. We will continue to do what we can do without any promise of success because I've done this long enough to know that I can't promise success, but we can continue to promise effort. It hasn't been forgotten. It won't be forgotten. We will stay on it until we complete it, and I hope that it's in all of our lifetimes because it's taken way too long. On that, we have unanimous agreement. It's taken way too long. So with that, we'll go on to uh, other council comments. Councilmember Barrett. I'd just like to say um, thank you for that history, um, and I agree with you, and it, it has taken too long. Um, but I will be supporting, uh, I will be sending a letter from Mr. Hagan. Is there any other comments that you want to make tonight? Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, just to let public know, the Airport Commission will be meeting Thursday, June 6th, this coming Thursday, and uh, the agenda is posted. Uh, as far as the flood fix, there's a lot said here this evening. The mayor's comments are well taken. Um, I was wondering if staff maybe can come back with just where, in fact, we are, an update, uh, however simple that might be, uh, the, the, give some status report of just where we are with the process right now. And as for the fireworks, uh, the 
as my understanding, this has come back. We heard about this last year, and I believe the year before. Uh, the fire code is scheduled, I believe, for revamping in 2014, and this was going to be part of the new fire code, and rather than take bits and pieces, uh, it's going to be inclusive, and it was going to be countywide. So I would hope that we could. Uh, postpone any decision we were going to do until we could do all of this as a countywide effort with the new fire code when that comes out. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Mr. Healy. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, on the flood issue, I think, Mr. Mayor, you gave a good recap. I'd like to add a couple of points. I made two trips to D.C. myself. I remember cruising or walking around the halls of the Pentagon and Capitol Hill and um, and all that. And uh, I think we have made remarkable progress, although we're not where we want to be. I do think that um, Former city manager Stouder's uh, primary contribution to the city while he was here was getting the funding formula um, changed from what it had been before to something that allowed us to achieve um, the majority of the pay rent flood fix. Um, and I, I realize the frustration at, at not being complete, uh, completely done. Um, the council does receive uh, monthly updates on that. I don't know if the public uh, or the reporters see those, but um, if you don't, you should. Um, um, the the FEMA remapping, which in, again is another process that's taking longer than than people would have liked, but at least it is on track and it appears to still be on schedule. Will take Mr. Cheney's house out of the hundred-year flood map uh, plane, and he can make a decision on whether he wants to continue with insurance uh, next year. Um, it doesn't get the entire Payran neighborhood out; it gets most of it out. Um, and uh, I, I know the entire council is, is committed to, to seeing that, that project through. Um, I, I do think that um, the council has looked repeatedly and city staff has looked repeatedly at the claims that the Deer Creek project will somehow worsen the flooding issues in the city and those are just simply not true. Um, all the engineering analyses uh, indicate that that's not the case. And, um, you know, I'm afraid we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one, John. Um, and then, um, let's see. Uh, shifting gears, I, I would, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Mr. Hagan's proposal. I would like to see a bill number. I've asked him for that. He hasn't given me one. I don't know if there's legislation actually introduced in, in D.C. I, I have heard some discussion that there's bipartisan support for that approach, but I don't know if it's coalesced around a, an actually introduced bill. But I'd, I'd be interested in having that conversation. Um, it does sound more promising than other things that have been attempted in that arena for greenhouse gas emissions in the past. Um, I would like to get, if we could, from staff an update tonight on the TAC meeting that occurred earlier today and in particular on um, our water um, supply uh, conditions uh, for the summer. Um, the last WAC meeting contained some indications that there were going to be concerns, and I wanted to know if we had any update on that tonight, Mr. City Manager. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you. Councilmember Miller. Um, yes. The uh, Planning Commission met last Tuesday night, um, and uh, the projects that were discussed were um, the projects surrounding the Hanson House and the rehabilitation of the Hanson House. Um, and then also um, a discussion was started on the Walgreens project, um, which includes a, or the, is they're proposing a drive-through component to it, and that was kind of what the Planning Commission got stuck on. So that will come back to us at our next meeting for further discussion. 
Um, I don't have anything to report on the pedestrian and bicycle advisory committee. We didn't have a meeting last month, and we do have a meeting this Wednesday night, so I anticipate I'll have a report at the next meeting. Um, with respect to the fireworks um, issue, I would support um, adding it to our agenda to try and, and get that, if we're able to do that, to try and get that fifth day back in on um, fireworks sales. Um, and uh, just wanted to remind everybody that the fair is the 19th through the 23rd of this month. So please go out and support the fair. And that's all. Okay, and I, I want to thank uh, the folks at Sonoma Media Group. There'll be five radio stations. This will be, I think, uh, a first in Petaluma on the 4th of July. Five radio stations from Sonoma County, all broadcasting live uh, festivities beginning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the 4th at the fairgrounds. Uh, there'll be live music. There will be uh, obviously food and the fireworks celebration and I want to thank Jan Mandrell and Scott Broden for the fine job they did uh, working through the issues with the Sonoma Media Group uh, it's local ownership of those five radio stations again and that's quite a treat uh, to have that kind of a presence in Sonoma County so uh, thank you to them and they're optimistic that this will be the first uh, year of a long-term relationship and I hope we have good weather because they're the ones that are taking on the risk for the weather and Mr. Brown I want to commend uh, you and your staff for pulling us through the fireworks uh, that, that's a good job uh, city manager report well, Mr. Mayor, I wanted to uh, comment just briefly and uh, kind of underscore what Councilmember Albertson uh, recalled regarding the, the fireworks, uh, the, the four to five day issue that was raised here earlier. And there is, in fact, a countywide effort that should be being looked at. Uh, we are looking at updating our codes in 2014. Uh, we weren't prepared certainly this evening to, to speak to the issue uh, or the chief would have been in the audience here to, to address you on that. Uh, but I would uh, like to put my own pitch in here for not trying to bring this back on the 17th of June uh, for the reasons I've just stated and Councilmember Albertson stated. But also I, I wanted to remind the council that there's about a three-week process that it takes in order to get an item you know, onto the agenda from the time that the staff report is actually written and submitted. And anything inside that is really a tight time frame. And if we were to start working on this tomorrow, we really have about three days to get the whole thing done. Uh, before it is, needs to be ready to go out to you next week. There are a lot of people who have to review that. There are a lot of revisions that take place. I know sometimes it doesn't always look like that when you're reading these reports, but uh, you know we do strive for, for excellence as we're writing those, and, and it does require more time than, than a week's meeting generally would give us. So we'd ask that uh, this item not be put on the agenda for the 17th of June, uh, and rather wait till uh, it comes up and during its natural cycle of things in the coming year. Thank uh, you. So if I can get yes. some agreement to that, then I'll, I'll move on to the next item. Uh, I don't know, because the, the next item on us is going to be the agenda. So you might have agreement right now, and you might not have I agreement have when we get to that. I have two items that yes, I wanted to, to speak to. I guess yes, I'll wait to see what you do with the agenda. But the second item, Councilmember Healy wanted an update on the water supply coming out of uh, this morning's meeting. And uh, Mr. St. John attended that meeting, and I think he is available to give you, uh, give you a synopsis of what happened there. <clears throat> Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, ladies and gentlemen. Dan St. John, Director of Public Works and Utilities. And yes, I did attend the TAC meeting this morning. Um, the uh, Sonoma County Water Agency is uh, have negotiated, I think it's called a, 
a temporary permit urgency order, uh, if I've got that right. Basically, it's a change condition to their permit for uh, operating the uh, Sonoma and Mendocino lakes and the discharge in the rivers. And, and the, it, it deals with minimum flow levels and things like that. Uh, basically, uh, we are in a situation where we're uh, working with that agency to adaptive, adaptively manage available water supply for the summer. As of yet, there has been uh, no curtailments and nobody's talking about curtailments. Um, uh, the specific quote this morning is there is no gap right now between available water supply and uh, existing water demand. However, uh, we, many of, well, all of you were here in 2009, and many of the community, most of the community, I'm sure, were here, and recall that during that drought period, we, we had a similar situation where eventually there were some curtailments. Again, we're not, we're not uh, proposing any curtailments now. Our plan is to work with the water agency and their efforts to um, step up voluntary water conservation and the water agency and I'm sure you've seen it out there in the media they they are already promoting what they call the 20 gallon challenge and I believe there's a 20 gallon.org website out there and this is a program that has been successful elsewhere uh, they've tested this in their um, um, public opinion here recently and what they've found is is most of us want to conserve However, many of us don't really know the specific steps we can take to conserve. And so the point of the 20 gallon challenge is to give our users, our citizens, um, specific things they can do. Things that are very, you know, specific to them and how they use their water. In addition to that program, uh, uh, Sonoma County Water Agency will be rolling out the Beat the Heat program. Uh, certainly the um, Heat waves are the are, are one of the main things they will be monitoring for. We will be monitoring for the concern during a heat wave. If everybody turns on the irrigation, then all of a sudden you've got a fairly significant uh, peak day flow demand event that can. Um, I'm talking in generality now. It it could put an impact on supply. So we we will be participating with them on the Beat the Heat program. And we will be uh, ready, if necessary, to uh, uh, take steps to curtail the amount of water we pull out of the transmission main. At this stage, we're not being asked to do that. Uh, certainly, uh, looking ahead, again, jumping to our system, looking ahead at the summer, uh, we're just making sure that any of our operate or all of our operational wells that have a good water supply are ready to go. At, uh, as of now, we have not turned on any well for operation. However, we are testing our wells, and we're getting them to the point that if, if we're asked to uh, reduce the amount of water from Sonoma County Water Agency, uh, we'll be ready to, to turn on some wells. Now, um, we, we do attend a weekly ad hoc uh, TAC meetings, technical advisory committee meetings with the other principals to look at the at the demands, look at the heat, look at the projections, and so forth. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of rambling here, but uh, you, you have to you get to look forward to uh, 
other programs this summer, the Little Birdie program where uh, they will be, the water agency will be implementing a program where folks are, are wasting water, but maybe not, they don't even know it. Well, if somebody, you know, turns in that address, then they will get sort of a kind reminder to be more water um, conscious. Uh, the agency is working with the National Weather Service and we'll be looking forward to a presentation here shortly from them on improved ways of projecting weather so that we have better forecasting tools to particularly in this case to project heat waves that may or may not come this summer so we'll be ready so I'm glad you asked I'm sorry it was such a long explanation but uh, our, our plan is to work in partnership with the other principals and the water agency to adaptively manage the situation we're in this summer. Uh, the flows in the, uh, in the Russian River, I'm told, are, are still at you know, reasonable levels for recreational purposes. Uh, the level in Mendocino Lake, I believe, uh, it did finally um, hit hit its peak and now is dropping again um, so all these things are being washed literally on a daily basis so if push comes to shove if 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 we get together as the principals and the water agency and the uh, and the conclusion is that we need to reduce the the average water demand from the water agency and keep it around that 63 million gallons per day level that uh, we would be prepared to uh, turn on some of our wells so that our take would be less from the water agency all the time stepping up our voluntary water conservation participating in a regional approach to water conservation uh, uh, participating with the Sonoma Marin uh, I think conservation partnership and uh, doing the best we can to show the state that we can uh, adaptively manage the situation and that the state does not need to impose hard and fast curtailment restrictions on this region because we have the management ability to uh, uh, to manage our way through through the situation. So, but um, yes, many more reports to come all summer. Thank you, Mr. Healy. If I can just follow up with one question on that. Thank you for that. That's I appreciate that. Um, can, can you tell us if we are now have all 36 holes at Adobe Creek and Rooster Run up on tertiary water? Not, not yet. We're, we're working that way. We're working to add the last nine, eight holes, eight or nine holes. Do you have an expectation when that will happen? Yeah. Uh, we're working with the Department of Health to get all the clearances on that, I believe. Otherwise, we're ready to go. We, we are delivering, um, at last report, I think last week, we hit over 4 million gallons per day of tertiary treated water. Now, gr granted, most of that is going to our agricultural customers. Okay, thank you. Okay, with that, uh, we're on to the next item, I guess. Mr. Brown, is that the entirety of the report? Thank you. Mr. Danley, report out of closed session. There's no reportable action tonight, at least so far, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. And Mr. Danley says so far we will be headed back to closed session as we get later into the agenda this evening. So with that, we're um, on to item 2A on the agenda. And this is the uh, time where we'll discuss the agenda for the June 17th uh, meeting. I don't want to make a motion, but I want to support the city manager's recommendation that we not add to the June 17th agenda um, 
mainly for the reason that the vice mayor mentioned. I think we all need to get on the same page in the entire county, but Mr. Uh, Mr. Healy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually, um, I would support adding the fifth day, <coughs> fifth day issue um, for the next meeting. <clears throat> and I, I don't think it's appropriate to tie it to what the rest of the county is doing because there's only a handful of jurisdictions that allow fireworks at all. So I don't really care what those other jurisdictions do because they're not going to do anything. Okay, and so this is a recurring issue, and I want to see if we can deal with it. Uh, we've got a motion to place it on the agenda. I'll do it this way. Is there a second to place I'll it second. on the agenda? Okay, so we have a motion and a second. We'll have discussion. Councilmember Barrett, you had, no. Is there any discussion? It's pretty self-evident what it is, Mr. Harris. And I'm supportive of adding it to the next agenda for the. We, fifth. we can vote, and everybody will find out who supports it and who doesn't. Is that okay? We just go ahead and vote on it. Thank you. So we just vote straight by the lights, yes or no. Yes goes on the agenda. No is saying that rather not. That's simple. So that goes on the agenda by a vote of five to two with uh, Councilmember Barrett and myself dissenting. So with that, uh, we'll make that addition to the agenda. Mr. Albertson. Thank you. I, I voted for the motion, Mr. Mayor, because I think we would have the discussion. I still would think we should wait for, even though there's not every jurisdiction in the county selling fireworks, because there is one neighboring jurisdiction, that's where the conflict rests locally, and that we have uh, consensus amongst those jurisdictions that do sell fireworks. So I'm willing to have the discussion. Okay, and uh, that's fine. So now we've had the discussion, so now we're on to the rest of the agenda on June 17th. So Mr. with the addition, yes, sir. I'll move the motion. Okay, to, and it includes everything that's printed plus the fireworks uh, issue that was just decided to add. Do we have a second for that? Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor say aye. 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 Is there any dissent? None. So we have the June 17th agenda. With that, we're on to uh, the consent calendar. And I have a couple of speaker cards that want to speak to the consent calendar. Uh, Zen Destiny to be followed by Richard Braun. And I'm going to ask um, Zen Destiny if uh, in the past we've done this where you speak to both items in, in one go around. Uh, yeah, I'll answer that. Thank you for Thank you giving me that much. choice. Uh, I want to speak on the budget and then. On D, that investment policy, if there's going to be a staff report, uh, I'm not asking them to talk on it, but if they're going to talk, I'd wait. I'm going to want to wait to hear my comments after they speak. If they're not, I can go ahead with Actually, I'm just going to go ahead with them. Never mind. Uh, is the captain's positions in the budget? So we can save some time. Is the captain's positions in the budget? Are they being restored? Are the captain's positions in the budget, Mike? Do you know? Do you know? Do captain's positions? At the police department. I'm, I'm addressing, but oh, they're not? Okay, I want to discuss the captain's positions that are missing from the oh, budget. Oh That's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want the captain's positions back at the police department. And I don't know what kind of uh, super fly human resource mojo this is, is that for us to bring people in and train them for him to go work at other places. Okay. So when you when you chopped off the top of the police department administratively, I want the captain's position back. I want both positions. You can fill one of them. We need the other one for a normal administrative expansion. That's just y'all. In a, in a, that's just what that's just what management does. And we just and we're gonna hang around your neck because that's what labor does. Even though labor sold out, but uh, we want the captain's position back. And I, I I figured out where we can find them in a the budget. So what I'd like to do is. Uh, Restore with the city manager's 
salary. So I think it's 35 grand. And, and really, uh, I think a lot, Mr. Brown's done a lot of good things. It's just one, one, he, he convinced the former police chief and four of y'all to walk off the, walk off the uh, plank with this. And you still haven't hit the water. You're still falling. So how, 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 how much you want the splash to be? Okay? We need the captain's positions back at the police department. I want you to fill one. I want you to take the money from the city manager's salary to return it. And really, if they can, he can find someplace else, I don't care how much he earns. I just, we just need, uh, we, we, there needs to be upward mobility because, and, uh, and I object to the tiered workers. And I want you to know that that's a temporary thing. This derivatives, fraudulent, scandalous, this total fake paper, this monopoly money, and then they collapse the system. Uh, de devaluation is taxation without representation. They triple the amount of money in circulation. Obama could have could have gave the money to the cities instead. He buys toxic derivatives and call that quantitative easing. Goldman Sachs, CIA, damn it. So I want the tiered workers are going to be back. That was no that was no accomplishment. That's just everybody getting together and screwing everybody else that comes after us. And who cares how much money is in circulation? We can fix that with constitutional tender. Screw this fake money. We, uh, it's going to be chasing ours. So, uh, can I? Was that three minutes? Can I do three on uh, D? I need three on D. Yes, you can. Go I, ahead, because I'm going to take it all at once. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I just want to. Actually, I don't want any more time than I took. It, what, what, so I'm, I'm going to do D. I'm going to do D. And I'll, and you always stop me at three. Unless I ask someone to seed money, relative to the investment policy. The whole argument around this investment policy is the argument between capitalism and socialism, centralization and decentralization. And uh, freedom and security are not precariously poised. The argument between capitalism and socialism is just a lot of noise. Why? Because an enlightened people can make either system work. So what we're seeing is the worst of both systems because Washington, D.C. is an abortion with this privatization of government and it's, it's, it's a rotting corpse. We should move the capital. That's how bad it is to the heartland. I'm calling for the capital to be moved to the middle of the heartland. Washington, D.C. has lost the right. And we should replace every single person there. Period. So we need a new national. So, okay, this is our, our, our investment. This investment broke the back of apartheid in South Africa. So you have an, if you have conscious investing, and CalPERS, y'all own the Carlisle, part of the Carlisle group. What the hell's going on here? That's Baker, Jim Carlucci, the wars, mines, your retirement system's paying for the damn war. Man, tie-dyed freaking Republicans. Unbelievable. Man, the retirement system's paying for the war. I'm done with this crap. Thank you. Richard Braun. Richard Braun, 141 Gravilia Drive. Um, I'm going to speak on uh, item 3B. I'm fully in favor of anything that reimburses the city for damages or special services. My concern with, the, with regard to the budget is that the garbage franchise agreement does not carry out the city government's fiduciary duties to the ratepayers. 
The state makes the city government responsible for the garbage collection utility function. In that capacity, the city picks up fiduciary duty to the ratepayers, not the residents, not the taxpayers, but to the ratepayers. Remember, this is a utility, and only ratepayers pay for the service. The city government has opted to use a franchise which the city will supervise on behalf of the ratepayers. The um, The city, the, uh, to, to whom the fiduciary duty is owed is at the heart of this issue. The government can claim reimbursements for whatever services it provides, but in the, uh, in the contract is also a payment of $500,000 per year to the city as a fee. So what is the quid pro quo, the something for something, and how does it com comply with the fiduciary duty? If the $500,000 is a rebate, it should be returned to the ratepayers. Exactly how does Petaluma earn $500,000 in the performance of its fiduciary duty? I cannot find that important documentation. I very much fear a construct to create the illusion of a fee when the $500,000 is really an illegal tax. And compounding that suspicion, we find the franchise and the city in bed together with an agreement for the franchise to pay for any legal challenge by the ratepayers. The clause is perfumed as beneficial to the city hall, but smells of infidelity to the ratepayers. I just want to remind you the rules of negotiation for a public entity are not the same as between corporate entities. There's no boot, no special favors accruing to the negotiator, no such thing as goodwill, and there are no secret clauses. The city budget will allocate the money, and once spent, that money will have a trail that all the lawyer talk will not be able to change. Apart from that, the city still owes documentation on how it is going to earn a $500,000 fee each year. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's all the public comment cards I have on the consent calendar, which are items 3A, B, C, D, E, and F. Uh, step up and state your piece, uh, Mr. Cheney, if you'd like to, on any one of those consent calendar items. Not public comment. It was definitely on this issue and mostly with the comments now it's more a chance to speak of it. Years ago when we did the auto mall up there I was in here and the flooding was still an issue at the time they built that. One of the ideas of building that was the fact there was an EIR done, but will you smile? You're gonna break your face. Anyway, they had a thing that they would turn around and uh, the EIR indicated that would take care of their flooding and stuff up there and we would come next at Payran getting our flood because this would also authorize the money that we needed at that time to help us do the flood. Now in here you're going to go ahead and approve a rate pay of over a million dollars to go ahead and do a flood fix for the businesses up there. I May I remind you to not a resident up there living. These are all businesses up there. And to turn around and do that and not even take care or finish the FEMA project and the Payran reach area? What's wrong with it? Why are we not citizens of this town? Why have you said that for this many years you cannot find the money to do the last of that project? 
I'm telling you that a lot of people have died waiting for this project. And to turn around and do another project in Auto Mall for the businesses, I know it stinks, you know it stinks, but there ain't a damn thing I can do about it. Why do the businesses always come first? Why does all the other businesses come first? Why are we always second to them? Is this town for the city? Is it Whitesville? Pottersville? Like I've always thought it was? Or is it Petaluma? Please, this one should not be improved in such time as you finish the project done in Payran. You've waited too long and this was a second to all of it for years. Thank you. Is there anyone else that wishes to speak to any of these items? Mr. Giddings, step forward and have your say. I just wanted, I just wanted to say thank you, Mr. Kearney, Ms. Barrett, David Glass, Albertson, Mr. Healy, thank you for your comments on the flooding issue. The council usually does not respond to what we have to talk about. You did, I thank you. Mr. Kearney, I had no idea you paid for the trips. I don't think that's right. You went above and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with that, uh, is there anyone else that wishes to address the council on any of these uh, uh, agenda items on the consent calendar? See so, no one rise. Public comment on items 3A, B, C, D, E, and F and is hereby closed. I'm going to remove item 3D as in David as I do not uh, intend to vote for that. And so uh, are there any other items that the council would like to remove from the consent calendar? And if there's not, if there's no other discussion, uh, <clears throat> we can take one motion for the consent calendar other than item 3D. Would you like a motion? Yes. I'll move uh, items 3A, B, C, E, and F. I'll second that. Okay, with that, uh, we'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously. On item 3D, I have uh, had a talk with the city manager today and expressed my concerns in more uh, detail. They're similar to the concerns that I expressed the last time that this came up. I have a good deal of respect for our finance director, Mr. Michello, who's done, a, in my opinion, an exemplary job of projecting revenues and guiding us through uh, a tremendous storm. I have concerns about uh, an investment policy that leaves it open to invest in money market uh, and also overlapping duplication where the percentages could be skewed with a variety of vehicles that may also in additionally invest in money market as well as corporate bonds uh, and commercial paper. There's the illusion of caps on how much can go in any one category but when one realizes that money markets are predominantly made up of commercial paper and commercial paper is nothing more than short-term corporate paper start seeing an overlap and I'm not comfortable at all that we're actually achieving the safety that is outlined in the statement. Uh, for me, safety would be defined more along the parameters of treasuries. That's just a personal belief of where I'm coming from, uh, not unlike where I was last time, and that's enough said on this. I just don't intend to vote for it. And so with that, uh, I'll entertain a motion Ms. because Barrett? I suspect it will pass. Council Member Barrett. Um, I also won't be supporting this for the same reasons and, and my uh, additional concern and uh, you may not have mentioned it is that you know it's not only putting us at risk with the corporate uh, investments but those but that's also done can be done at the state and the county level so that that even increases our uh, exposure even greater 
So I will not be supporting this. Either. Well, that is the overlap that I'm talking about because you, the state can invest up to $50 million in one pool of funds that could conceivably invest in corporate paper and money market. There's $10 million that can be invested by the city with the county that could overlap and duplicate the same way. And so it presents a scenario where you might get uh, duplicity of the same investment or same asset class, uh, even though it's done in a variety of locations. And then having worked in this business for a couple of decades, I'm just not comfortable at all. The markets move much faster than we'd ever be able to review uh, the parameters. And to me, it's just signing off too much uh, uh, leeway and too uncertain of times. And so that's what I expressed last time, and the, those beliefs haven't changed, and I doubt they'll ever change, uh, because I think what we've gone through since 2008 is a life-changing experience for me. So it reflects in no way on the people that work for the city, the investment advisor that the city has, the investments that you've made uh, on the city's behalf has no reflection upon that at all, just life experiences of what we've gone through these last few years. Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I was wondering if we could get a, a response. Uh, 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 there is a concern been raised. Is there a response to the, the, those concerns? Yeah, what I'd like to do is go ahead and briefly introduce Carlos Blitas from PFM, our uh, city's investment advisor. Respond. Honorable council members and mayor, I, as your investment advisor, I just want to tell you that first and foremost, again, as your investment advisor, our first duty is to do what the city's wishes are. And if it's the city's wishes that, that we remove these asset classes, such as commercial paper, corporate securities, and money market, money market funds, we can certainly work with what you wish us to do. That's not a problem. Um, from our professional perspective, we believe that it is appropriate for, for the city of Petaluma as well as any other public agency to have them. But at the end of the day, it, it, you know, it's up to you to decide what your risk parameters are. And if, it's, if you believe that it isn't appropriate for you, we can certainly work under those parameters. The flip side of that is that, of course, these are highly liquid and commonly used sectors uh, used by public investors. And when you restrict those from your policy, uh, which is perfectly fine to do, you do give up the opportunity of return. So it's a, it's a give and take, and it's up to you to decide which level is appropriate. Um, I hadn't intended that this be a long back and forth, but um, there's return, and then Mark Twain once said he was as concerned with the return of his principal as the return on his principal. And the rate of return that we're talking about is actually less than three quarters of 1% for corporate paper that goes to 2016. And I would suggest that through the Cedars program that I think with less risk, if one accepts the fact that um, CDs FDIC insured, would offer less risk than corporate paper with an A rating, uh, and especially in light of what happened with the rating agencies, um, it, we're not even getting the return. And in fact, I think we got like 28 basis points of return uh, for the last reporting period on this. It's just to me, the return simply isn't there. No matter how hard you try to push the envelope, none of these asset classes offer a rate of return, but they do offer some danger. 
for instance, one of these securities I notice is A minus rated, then double A three rated by Moody's, and I would suspect that's from credit enhancements, perhaps from assured guarantee which I believe has that credit rating by Moody's. And when I look at value line and compare it how value line looks at assured guarantee for safety on a scale of one to five, one being most safe and five being most dangerous, they give assured guarantee a four rating. And so I start looking at this and I start saying just in prudence, are we taking reasonable risk for reasonable reward? To me, the reward we're achieving is not reasonable and that's not any criticism of you. There is no reasonable reward out there. And in fact, the state of California at this time is, uh, I notice, not participating in the asset classes that the city of Petaluma is participating in. Doesn't appear that the state uh, in their investments is participating in money market right now. Uh, and Mr. Mayor, uh, the, the state does participate in not directly in a money market fund, but rather in the types of assets that a money market fund would buy. And those are typically, you, you would find them in, in the state pool like local agency investment fund. Y you're absolutely right. On a, even when we factor inflation in, you're losing money because that's just what the markets are. And, and it's difficult to generate return in this environment. Um, when we recommend that we have those asset classes in there, it's simply because we're looking at two different things. Um, we're looking at long-term, from a long-term perspective, to see if there are other markets when they are appropriate. Um, and the second reason that why, why we like them is because on a relative basis, they, too, they do tend to generate higher return than what you would get in your alternatives, which, which would be treasury and agency. Um, we do work on your behalf to mitigate the risk. We do our own internal credit work that did keep you out of trouble during the crisis, as well as all our clients. But again, Mr. Mayor, if it's your wish, if you said something earlier, that you don't think you'll ever change your mind on this. And I no. completely respect that. <laughs> uh, it, it, it would just have to, you'd have to give us directives as to what you would want to do. My role is just to advise you uh, what you gain and what you give up. I appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate the demeanor of the discussion. So uh, if council members want to ask, because uh, that's right. I, I just, my parameters have been changed for a lifetime as a result of what happened. Uh, so with that, if there's any more discussion, we can have it. Otherwise, I'm ready to vote. Mr. Healy. Yeah, actually, <clears throat> I had a question for the city attorney, and I'm looking at the staff report on the first page and under background. Um, it says, in compliance with state law, the city treasurer may annually render to the city council a statement of investment policy and it goes on from there. Is, is this something that we're required to do or is it something that staff has just brought forward because because we can or what, what's the status of this? Um, I, I don't have the immediate answer for you council member. I'd be happy to look at that but I um, and if we have a moment I can try to dig into that but um, I don't know whether it's a requirement or whether it's something that staff are just uh, um, doing at their option. Um, I'm going to see if there are some authorities that can help me answer that question. Uh, right Council Member Healy, if I may respond to your question directly, that is that does come straight from California Government Code 53646, as I believe the, the citation. And it used to be that cities were required at one point to provide this information on a regular basis. The law was changed several years ago to where y you may provide it. We, we advise all our clients that it's still a good idea to regularly provide it. Uh, the only requirement that code generally has is that the treasurer shall provide on a monthly basis, at least uh, accumulated on a monthly basis, the transactions that the city has conducted. But, but that is correct. The word may come straight out of California government code. So th is this just a restatement of the one that we approved last year? That's correct. And so if we just tabled this and didn't take any action, what would be the upshot of that? 
uh, the upshot of that is that you would continue working on the policy in its current manner uh, until you have other changes that are proposed and they can be communicated through us by uh, by your finance director. Because you know, I, I'm not unsympathetic with with your comments, uh, Mr. Mayor, and you know, it's a scary world out there. Um, but I, I don't want to go through this little dance every single year. Um, and may, maybe we can appoint you to a committee to come back with a better recommendation and come back when you're ready to report. Well, I mean, my, my recommendation is going to be very narrow in the investment opportunities that we have. It's going to be in treasuries. It's going to be through the CEDAR program with CDs. It's going to be no um, uh, corporate paper. It's just going to be government agency, and it's going to okay, be... Okay, so just, just stay with that thought for a second. So I guess the question to staff, and you're not going to be able to answer this tonight, but if, if that was the council's direction on what we wanted our, 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 our dollars invested in, what would, what would we be giving up in terms of yield uh, in the current environment? When you're looking at a comp, uh, at a, let's, for example, look at the two-year range, which is a good average of, of, of the maturity ranges which you, in which you invest. Today, the yield pickup for a two-year treasury investment is about 24 basis points. That's less than a quarter percent. When you shift to an agency security, right now the pickup in that range is about two more basis points. So you're talking about 0.26% for an agency investment for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, debenture. When you're looking at a corporate bond, it's, you're now getting into the 50, 60 basis point range. So you're now more than doubling the yield that you can have. On an absolute basis, it's peanuts. It's very small. On a relative basis, it's substantial. But one of the things that we do on your behalf is that all we've mentioned right now is just the yield to maturity, which is it's just your interest that you're going to collect, assuming that you hold the maturity. And while we do buy investments, your mandate to us has been historically that we can buy investments and plan to hold them to maturity. But if there are opportunities to sell and reposition the portfolio so that you can earn higher economic rents, then we're allowed to do that. So. Uh, I, I haven't even talked about the, the market value gains that you can take on it, but that, of course, that's what's driven your return to where you are today, which is generally better than the market. You've done l well. In the let me try to invested. ask it this way, I guess. Um, how important is interest income to our adopted general fund budget? Or believe, to some of the other funds? I believe, well, it's... Um, I believe the uh, budgeted amount, I think, for uh, the upcoming fiscal year is right around 30000 in uh, investment return in interest for the general fund. Now, we do have some, some uh, one-time reserves that uh, will be earning interest also. Uh, the a little over one million dollars of designated reserves that the council um, authorized here uh, a month or so ago along with about another million dollars we will be receiving based on the payment back to the county so um, I would think that we will be earning probably more than that 30,000 but if we were to go ahead and restrict the investment policy uh, then we would I'm not sure how to I don't have the calculation with me as to how much that would be down but we would lose some some earnings possibly. So I, I guess my inclination is to to table this and bring it back. But I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, Mr. Mayor. I just want to know what the parameters are. You know, uh, I, I'm happy to table it. I'm just sitting here. I'm not likely to change uh, my thought process if I were to take our parameters. And I were to say I was going to invest in Lehman Brothers, which had an A2 rating, which is uh, a good, solid investment grade rating, meets every criteria that we have here. And Lehman Brothers went 
totally belly up and imploded and you would only need one such instance and it would wipe out a century of returns at the kind of uh, negligible rates of return that we're talking about getting here. So it's just on a risk reward basis. It's not how much cash are you putting in the pocket today and as one that lived through that in that industry and watched it, I just, you know, I just can't vote for something that facilitates the potential of doing that and it meets every single parameter that's laid out here. Well, the, the reason I was suggesting tabling and bringing back is I don't think we have anything in front of us that we could support that actually lays out your position. So, I'd like to see, if we're going to table this and bring it back, I'd like to see what rates of return are there. If you got uh, the maximum scattered into the CEDARS program, if you used, uh, I noticed with the bond uh, reserve funds, you're talking about extended maturities. Perhaps look at step-up uh, CDs if they're available uh, that have rising coupon rates so that if interest rates were to rise off into the future, we'd be protected with higher interest rates off into the future. Uh, I'd like to see what is achievable out there, but still staying with then uh, extremely safe. Th this is prudently safe for many people, but I'm talking about how do you get another layer of safety, and I don't believe that when you're looking at corporate debt with 0.71 yield to maturity, 0.7 coupon, because you've got a smidgen of an original discount in the market, uh, that is so such a small rate of return to 2016 that you only got to be wrong once. And somewhere's been wrong before. Orange County had that experience. Uh, I just don't want it to be us. Mr. Kearney. So, Mr. Mayor, I mean, uh, admittedly, I'm not in this field and never pretended to be uh, in the investment field, but it, it seems like the number is pretty small as far as what the, the on that $30,000 in the general fund, the difference if we were to switch. And I'd uh, be willing to support coming back with something uh, looking at a different mix uh, as suggested and so I, I think Mr. Healy said table this or suggested we table it I'd be supportive of that and coming back with a different mix that is looking at a more secure funding or excuse me more secure uh, investment strategies Mr. Brown And I'm trying to find a polite way to say this. <laughs> we have a, uh, a lot of an analysis that we need to do this coming year. Uh, as you've adopted your goals moving forward, there is a ton of financial analysis that has to take place. And frankly, in involving ourselves in the kind of analysis that I'm star starting to hear you all wanting to take us down the road towards, it isn't something that I feel comfortable recommending to you or, or wanting to agree with you on. Let me see if I can get there because I think I can help with this. Well, if, if I might. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that concerns me is, is that we're starting to talk about giving a revenue away that we really can't afford to give away. I, I appreciate the position that those of you on the council are taking with respect to this particular investment, so don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we're, we're still trying very hard to keep uh, both ends balanced. And increasing our expenditures or reducing our revenues are not ways to, to get that done. So what I'd like to recommend to you is, is if this is something that you'd like to have brought back, that we bring this back to you at a, in a timing sequence that fits more into some of the other things that I think are high pri higher priority financial analyses that need to be done. And it leaves you living with this existing policy in the meanwhile. But of course, we've been living with this now for the last 12 months since we had this discussion 12 months ago. 
I'd be willing to do that. What I would say, because I wouldn't even say sell these prior to maturity, but what I would say is that from this point forward, if we're looking at investments, let's step up the game and look at treasuries and uh, until this does come back, that we don't make additional corporate paper investment, that we look at the treasuries and we look at uh, the CDs. If we could get that much out of it, I'd be thrilled. Mr. Mayor? Councilmember Barrett. So um, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this is what you're saying. Uh, is that you could go with this, adopt this um, suggestion and just direct staff not to put any money into corporate or um, market, uh, you know, non-insured bonds or non-insured monies, investments. Is that what you're saying? From this point forward until it comes back. Until, yeah, until where there's a time to change that. You so know, we would you can have the policy, just don't do it. And, and if there is a way of, as you said, selling those things that are coming due or selling them prematurely, just do that uh, and move them over into the, the more secure funding. I'm not necessarily saying sell the securities that you have. Ride them to maturity. Just don't do more of it. That's where we were when this started. And when this started a few years ago, we had one general electric capital note, if I remember right, and we were going to let that ride to maturity and we weren't going to do it again. And then times got a little bit better in the market and personnel turned over and direction drifted and now I'm looking and we got you know more corporate paper uh, and so I'll just say to me if we could just get to where we start looking and give up the yield because the yield isn't there no matter how hard you push the envelope a year from now you may be better served that you didn't get into any three-year corporate paper with this kind of coupon because a year from now uh, the coupons might be much higher and you might be able to move out of something more liquid that maybe you were in t-bills and they matured in 90 days and you rolled it into three-year because it made sense at that time I don't see there's much reward in chasing three-year paper right now uh, or five-year paper or longer term yet if you look at the reserve fund of uh, uh, some of the bonded debt that this thing talks about as a policy. So anyway, Mr. Healy. Thank you. Um, uh, Mr. City Manager, when would you anticipate this would fall among your, your hierarchy of priorities in this, this area? Not for at least the next month. Okay. Yeah, I think we could probably talk about this again at the beginning of August, but you know, we're, we're I'd be fine with that. Why don't we just table that and bring I'm it back? I'm fine with that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mr. Michello. Um The one piece of legislation, Mr. Mayor, that we do need to do today is the delegation of investment authority to the city treasurer for next fiscal year because that's part of this. Um, you know, the adoption of the okay. policy is one piece, but giving me the authority to just do the investments for next year is something we need to do this evening. Okay. Here's what I'll do, okay, on good faith. I'll make the motion. We'll adopt this the way it is. You've got direction. We'll vote on it, and whether it's a month or two months or three months, uh, we'll have a discussion. We'll look into this, and we'll figure out where we go from here, okay? So that'll put it to bed, and we'll just work on good faith going forward that that's what we're going to do. So I'll move the item. You'll have your authority, but as far as direction goes, we're not going to invest in any corporate paper between now and the interim when this comes back. Is that fair enough? Well, Mr. Dan, if I could, the one, if the council is going to qualify the action on approval of the policy 
in such a way, which is fine. It's bef it's agendized before you for your action tonight. Okay. Then I would suggest you add that qualification in the last part of the resolution. Can you give me the wording to do that? Do it in just one second. Mr. Mayor, um, I'd also want you not just to say corporate, uh, but just commercial. Perfect. So just for clarification, uh, the only thing we're excluding is commercial paper, no commercial paper investments. And corporate notes. Corporate notes, okay. So that we're going to be looking for CDs, FDIC insured. We're going to be looking for government paper, government agency paper. Uh, and then this will come back. And when it does, we can look at the whole menu of opportunity and see what are we excluding. We can look at T-bills, because I, I suspect you know, the, there's an old saying in the bond market, there's two kinds of interest rate prognosticators, those that don't know, and those that don't know, they don't know. But I got a huge uh, suspicion that interest rates are going to go up because there's not room for them to go down. So if we're short on the yield curve, we, we got a chance to make up anything that we are missing. There, there's no great opportunities here, in my mind, to jump in and buy any kind of duration. Councilmember Barrett. Yeah, on, on page, um, handwritten page 16, um, page 13, I don't know what, of the attachment, is a, a definition of commercial page paper. So whatever's in there is what we don't want to be doing. Are we missing anything? Well, it's commercial paper, it's medium term notes, it's the like, it, it, it's what's in the corporate Spectrum. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to just define it. Yeah, so what what is clearly out there that is safe is uh, on page 15 is U.S. Treasury bills, Treasury notes, Mr. Mayor, Treasury this, bonds. This is turning into a moving target. We need to move on and get the rest of the agenda done tonight. I, I think we had a proposal to bring this back in one or two months, and now we're trying to micromanage. Okay, uh, let me just hear from Mr. Danley, and then we'll, we'll table it if we need be. Mr. So, Danley. So I have uh, a qualifying language we could add into the um, action part of the resolution, which is on handwritten page 3, attachment 1. But for it to work, I would need some kind of a fairly um, succinct statement from you, Mr. Mayor, acceptable to the council, describing those um, those investments that would not be made pending an updated approval by the council of the city's investment policy. And I'm only trying to not table this because they're asking for a portion of a resolution to be passed tonight. So if I need exclusion of what would not be in, uh, invested in until such time that this would come back, it would be... Or we could go the reverse way if it's easier to, to limit the investments that will be made. I don't know what's easier. Investments in the interim that are acceptable would include U.S. Treasury bills, U.S. Treasury notes, U.S. Treasury bonds, federal agency issues, and CDs that are FDIC insured. That's it? Okay, so I can reverse my language. So... Um, okay, so how about, can, can I try the language then? Yes, sir. So I would suggest right now the action part of the resolution reads, now therefore be it resolved that the City Council approves the City of Petaluma's, uh, City of Petaluma investment policy, and then I would suggest we insert, subject to the City Council's direction that city investments be limited to the following types of investments until the City Council reconsiders and provides updated approval for the City of Petaluma investment policy, colon, and then if you'd like to state for the record. U.S. Treasury bills, U.S. Treasury notes, U.S. Treasury bonds, federal agency issues, and CDs that are FDIC insured. 
And, oh, thank you. And then so the action part of the resolution would continue to, to say, um, and delegates investment authority to the city treasurer for fiscal year 2013-2014 as shown in exhibit A attached. Thank you. And that'll at least give you the authorization of what you need. I'll make that motion. Is there a second? I'll second. second. A second by Council Member Barrett. Mr. Uh, Brown. Well, I think uh, Councilman, uh, Council Member Miller wanted to ask you a question, but are we making sure that we're picking up the LAFE and, and the other pooled stuff in, the, in that? Did I, did I miss that as well? Yes, we can pick that up but with, uh, with the California investment pools. Um, that state investment pool, California yes. investment yes. pool. Yes. Need to make sure that we pick that up. So Thank you. You're welcome. So the language needs to include the state investment pool, um, the Sonoma County investment pool, the California Asset Management Program, and then um, the other things that the mayor mentioned. So essentially what you're looking at is everything on pages, handwritten pages 13, 14, and 15 of the um, of the agenda item, right? But not 16. But not 16. I think that's right. Or. Okay. I can live with that. And then what about 17? Unsecured obligations. I, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable with including those. I'd have to know more about what those are. I think the plain vanilla is what's listed on page 15, actually, and then going through with the pools for facility of uh, investment, I'm comfortable with what's on 13 and 14. What I'm most concerned about is what's on page 16, though, but the others. Uh, so everything that pages, uh, everything that's listed except for what's on pages 16 and 17 is what I'm hearing. Is acceptable to invest in. So, so why don't, um, I guess what I'd suggest is maybe we restate and reoffer the motion. That would be fine. Okay, sorry. I will rely upon you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, all right, so the, the motion would be to revise the action part of the resolution that's attachment one hundred and page three, so that states now therefore be resolved that the city council approves of the city of Pedlam investment policy. Um, um, I, I'm going to change the order a little bit from what I just did. And delegates investment authority to the city treasurer for fiscal year 2013-2014 um, as shown in exhibit A attached um, provided that the investment types listed on and is it just that page typed page 13 handwritten page Han it's, it's handwritten page 13 it's state investment pool right it's just those that are to be excluded or no, no, no to no, be no. included 14 and 15 are to be included right why don't, why don't you right mr. Danley maybe if you did it where you said um, that uh, as shown on pages either handwritten pages 4 through 15 of the attachment? 
and that way you don't have to list all of them it's just including what is on the pages of the attachment through page 15. no I wouldn't be comfortable with that not 4 through 15 so I just we, we can do it either way I just wanted to confirm is is are the investment types that are, are not approved those that are on handwritten pages 16 and, and 17 yes. yes so that's a true statement okay so um, so again I think it's easiest to do an exclude exclusion if it works for the council so I'd suggest that the resolution action language read as it does currently um, through where it says as shown in exhibit a attached uh, semicolon provided that the investment types listed um, on, and I'm going to use the typed page references because that's consistent with how the document is attached um, um, page 13 and 14 right um, provided that the investment types listed in pages listed on pages 13 and 14 of attachment two of exhibit A are prohibited until the City Council reconsiders and provides updated approval for the City of Petaluma investment policy. Thank you. Thank you. The only further clarification would be that we're not required to sell those investments currently. Uh, they're just prohibited from purchasing into the future until we bring the policy back. That would be correct. Thank you. I'll, That's the I'll, motion. I'll second it. Okay. So that gets today's business done until such time that this comes back with the, if this passes. That's a motion and a second. Is there any other discussion? With that, we'll vote by the lights. Thank you. Motion carries unanimously. Um, we're on to item 4A. This is a um, proposal for adoption of ordinances changing certain fiscal year 12-13 appropriations due to fiscal year and budget adjustments. Mr. Michello. Mayor Glass, members of the City Council, <clears throat> as you know the City does review its uh, budget on a continual basis. Uh, the proposed year-end budget adjustments before you this evening are to the adopted fiscal year 2012-13 budget. Uh, general fund budget adjustments, uh, recommended adjustments are very minimal. Uh, there's a recommended transfer in of $30,510 for reimbursement from MTC and an appropriations increase of $8,750 uh, for higher than expected November 2012 election expenditures. Special revenue fund adjustments are mainly due to unspent project funds being refunded to various accounts. Uh, capital project fund adjustments include amounts transferred in for various projects uh, and unspent uh, funds transferred back to both special revenue and enterprise funds. Uh, the enterprise fund adjustments are also mainly for unspent capital project funds being transferred back. A detailed list of all the year-end budget adjustments is included in the staff report. 
So it's recommended this evening that the City Council adopt the attached ordinances as urgency ordinances to amend appropriations for the fiscal year ending June 30th, uh, 2013 budget. And we're happy to answer any spe uh, specific questions on the adjustments at this time. Thank you. Are there any questions? Vice Mayor Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Michello, is this premature? There's 27 days left in this fiscal year. Basically, what we try to do is get the budget adjustments done. We've worked with the uh, departments. We've worked with the project managers. They've estimated what they're going to need for these uh, projects. We only have one more council meeting left uh, this year that we could adopt uh, these adjustments, and we wanted to try to get them done so that we could get the amounts reflected uh, and get all the balances reflected for the funds that are transferred back as soon as we can. Okay. Mr. Mayor, I'll make the motion. Yes, sir. Motion by Mr. Kearney. Second. Uh, second by Councilmember Barrett. I need to open up public comment. This uh, uh, hearing on item 4A. Is there anyone wishing to address the council on this agenda item? I have no speaker cards. No one stepping forward to address the council. We have a motion by Kearney, a second by Barrett, and we'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously. Uh, seven to nothing and uh, on item 4a as proposed by staff in the staff report we changed the order to go to item 4c that is the next item on the agenda resolution introduction and first reading of an ordinance approving on assignment and assumption agreement between the Petaluma Community Development Successor Agency and the City of Petaluma for the commercial lease of the train depot and resolution approving the successor agency recognized obligation schedule for the period January 1 2014 through June 30th 2014 commonly known as ROPS number 13 14B, Ms. Alverde. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and City Council. Uh, these two items before you um, are a combined report related to uh, the ongoing dissolution of the former Petaluma Community Development Commission. The first item is a lease that was entered into between PCDC and SMART for the train depot buildings. Um, as that lease is coming due this uh, July, and the DOF is no longer approving uh, former PCDC funds for that lease. In order to maintain that lease and extend it and continue to lease it out to the two nonprofits that are occupying space, we need to assign that lease to the city of Petaluma so that we can um, keep the rights and privileges that are um, in that lease for the city's oversight and then go ahead and assign the subleases to the nonprofits over to the city as well so we can continue to move forward. Um, that lease carries a $1,000 per month cost that um, will need to be passed through to those two nonprofits, and we'll be working with them to establish rent for those two groups. The second item is the um, basically it's the recognized obligation payment schedule. It's for the next six months, which starts next January through June. Um, it basically covers administration expenses. It covers debt service, and then. Um, the good news here is that we're able to add <clears throat> expenses both for East Washington and Rainier projects that can, will come out of um, bond proceeds of the former PCDC, which we have not been able to do in the past. And that's because we have completed um, all the steps necessary to get a finding of completion with the Department of Finance. So we'll be able to start spending pre-2011 bond proceeds for those two projects if it's approved by the Department of Finance on this ROPS. 
The second step, just so you know, after the successor agency here takes action tonight, both of these items have to go to the oversight board and to the DOF for approval. Thank you. Are there any questions from the council? I'm going to open up public comment. I have no speaker cards on this item. Public comment is hereby opened on item 4C. With no one stepping forward, public comment is hereby closed. Back to the council. Mr. Mayor, I'd love to make the motion. We have a motion by Councilmember Kearney. Second. second. We have a second by Mr. Healy. Um, with that, we'll vote by the lights. Thank you. That motion carries unanimously, seven to nothing. We're on to item 4B. This is a resolution recommending appointment to the Mayors and Council Members Association to fill a vacancy in the Sonoma County Agricultural Preservation and Open Space District Citizens Advisory Committee. Mr. Mayor. Council Member Barrett. I would make a motion that we um, recommend the only applicant, uh, Lori Gallion, for reappointment. Re I second. second. <laughs> Who else seconded it? Councilmember Miller seconds that. Uh, if there's no discussion, we'll vote by the lights on this. That motion carries unanimously. We're on to uh, item 4D. With item 4D, we're going to be taking a break, and we're also going to be going into closed session before we entertain item 4D. And I will ask Mr. Danley to please provide proper notice of our closed session. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I will repeat the uh, closed session description from earlier tonight that's on the beginning of the agenda. Um, the council will confer um, in closed session under government code section 54957.6 under uh, conference with labor negotiators. The agency designated representatives are David Glass, Chris Albertson, Mike Healy. The unrepresented employees is the city attorney. Thank you. Okay, so with this, we don't need a motion to go into closed session. We're just going to adjourn into closed session. That's right. You indicated you'd be returning when you came back. Early. And so what I need is I need to open it up to public comment on the closed session item. Is there anyone that wishes to address the council on closed session? Seeing no one in the chamber and no one coming forward to speak, public comment is hereby closed on this item on closed session. Councilmember Barrett. Um, weren't we going to do the two? items in closed session? I don't think there's a need. And we're also going to uh, review city manager as was on the agenda uh, earlier. I'm sorry. Uh, then I'll, I'll restate that language from the agenda too. Thank you. Um, Thank my you. apologies. Uh, the council will confer in closed session under um, uh, public employee performance evaluation under government code section 54957, the title is city manager. And I guess I should also just note again for the record, um, this was already noted earlier tonight, that the council tonight um, added a closed session item under government code section um, 54954.2. Um, and that was um, concerning existing litigation under government code section 54956. Wait a second. Five four nine five six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tired. Um, um, let me grab this section. I think it's five four nine five six point four. Uh, five four a. nine five four two. No, no, that was the that was the um, that was the authority for adding the item, but the uh, actual okay. session was under. Thank you, Councilmember Healy. The actual session was under five four nine five six. Point nine 
A for existing litigation, and the case was uh, Brian Moynihan versus the city of Petaluma. Okay. That session was already conducted. Thank you. Thank you. And so, again, I'll open it up to public comment. There's nobody in the chamber to speak. Public comment is hereby opened and closed. And with that, we are going to move into closed session. We will come back out to make a statement. It may be that there will be no reportable action. It may be that there will be action. And we still have an item on the agenda uh, for business. I just want to let the city uh, and people that follow this know. There's still item 4D, as in David, on tonight's agenda. And with that... Good evening. The council is back from closed session. If the clerk would please call roll. It is 9.45 p.m. Harris. Here. Here. Kearney. <laughs> Sorry. Jump the gun. Here. Barrett. Here. Glass. Here. Albertson. Here. Healy. Still here. Miller. Also still here. All right, and with that, we are on to item 4D, as in David. First thing I'm going to do is open up public comment on 4D. This is a resolution accepting the recommendations of the City Council Committee to establish an in-house attorney's office and approving an at-will agreement for employment of the city attorney, authorizing the mayor to execute said agreement. Is there anyone that wishes to address the council on item 4D? Seeing no one in the council chambers, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. And with that, we're back to the council for this item. Uh, and so we have two resolutions in front of us. Uh, the first resolution uh, would be approving an at-will, uh, uh, rather establishing an in-house city attorney's office. Uh, do we have any discussion on city council about this? Mr. Brown. They're actually all one resolution, Mr. Mayor. I don't think your microphone is on. I'm sorry. They're actually all one resolution, Mr. Mayor. It's a multi-purpose resolution that does both of those things. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with that, we've got the one resolution. Is there any discussion on the council dais before we have a motion? Mr. Harris. Just very quickly, I just want to thank the subcommittee for meticulously going through all the models, the hybrid model and you know, the current model with the cost escalations, the transition from one provider to another. So thank you for the work and, and doing the outreach. I, I really do appreciate that. Okay. So Mr. Healy. No, and I, I just I just want to say that you know the, the committee was um, unanimous in its recommendation. I think we all believe this is going to be a good outcome for the city. I'm, I'm very pleased that Mr. Danley is accepting this new challenge, um, and I um, look forward to implementing this. Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. In, in addition, the, the subjects come up, the, the cost of doing this versus the way we were, were doing business. Uh, we were under contract with uh, Myers Navi, nothing against, personally, nothing against the firm. Uh, uh, it just got to be that we thought this would be a more economical or fiscal prudent and better serve our community and, and our municipal government having an in-house council. So we made that decision and the dollars and cents do uh, uh, figure out when it's all considered. Uh, before we get into a motion in a second, I, I just want to add to this. It's been a pleasure working through this process with Mr. Danley and Mr. Brown and Mr. Healy and Mr. Albertson. Um, we were the subcommittee that worked on this, and we started uh, with one course of action and through a journey of discovery. Uh, we wound up, I think, in a 
area that we probably didn't guess we were going to wind up in um, when we first started the journey. So uh, I think we ended up in the right spot. And I'm really particularly happy that Mr. Danley um, will be the person that will be setting up our in-house attorney services. And it has been a pleasure working with you and look forward to continue to work with you. So with that, um, is there anything Mr. Danley wants to say before we have a motion? Well, I, um, um, I think it might be best if you have your motion first because I don't want to be presumptuous. Well, I will do that. I would be Thank pleased you. to make the motion. I'll second. We have a motion by Councilmember Miller, a second by Councilmember Kearney. And if there's no further discussion at this moment, then we'll I, just... I did have a question, Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir. Uh, j just so, uh, seeing as I, I seconded the motion, I clearly am in support of this. My only question is in regards to how long before uh, Mr. Danley is no longer just an army of one is, as far as our city attorney's office is concerned. How long do you think it will take for us to get fully staffed and in, in fully up and running with so the supporting attorneys on board and secretarial staff. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Brown. I'd like to take a pass at that question. I think we're looking at something on the order of three to four months. Uh, that's going to be moving very rapidly if we're able to make that happen. Uh, with your council's approval this evening, we'll start working on getting some recruitments going as well as on working on some space, uh, space renovation. Uh, for the area so that when Mr. Danley does, if Mr. Danley does and when he does come aboard, then that space will be ready for him and those recruitments will be underway. Uh, we did budget money uh, in, in the cost uh, estimates that we did and would continue to budget some money for special counsel. Uh, during this transition period, we're going to continue to buy the legal services that we need that we aren't able to receive directly from Mr. Danley. Wonderful. Thank you. So with that, we have a motion and a second. A uh, motion by Miller, a second by Kearney. And uh, we'll vote by the lights and we'll continue a bit of a discussion on this. And that motion carries unanimously. Uh, seven to nothing. Congratulations, Mr. Danley. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just be brief. I, um, the mayor's right. We. Um, I've been working with the council for seven years now. We we have uh, we over the past I don't know year it seems had been in a dialogue and this is where we ended up and I'm I'm very um, I've it's been an honor to serve the city as the city city attorney for this time. It's been an honor to work with you all. Um, I I am um, very proud and grateful that the council has invited me to uh, assist them in this um, in in this um, creation of an in-house. To city attorney department. Um, I'm, I'm eager to do that, excited to do that, um, and thank you for the council support very much. Thank you for that, Mr. Brown, too. Appreciate it. Thank you. With that, uh, are there any other council comments at this time? I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Motion by Barrett. I'll second it. How's that? All in favor say aye. 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 Good night, everybody. We're adjourned.